Welcome to this week's Bam Bits. I thought there's an intro. Bada bing bada bam. bam. <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome. You're wondering why does it look like she's going fishing, you might ask. Well, maybe she's fishing for your compliments in the comments section. Maybe that's what's happening. So you should probably leave him. Stephanie's been wearing that hat for 18 days. I think I might be balding. <laughs> whether you think I look like I'm going fishing, whether you think that this is an innovative fashion choice, I want to introduce you to something. If I were to go fishing, if I were to travel, if I were to practically do anything, I would do it in my Vessi shoes. Listen, you've heard me talk about my Vessi sneakers multiple times already, but I am telling you right now, this is the shoe that you need for your everyday wear. Like, yes, sometimes you want to dress up in heels, but on a daily basis, you're going to Trader Joe's, you're running errands, you're going on hikes, you're going on jogs, maybe you're traveling to a new city and you're like, I don't know what the weather is going to be like. And Vessi is your go-to shoe, I'm telling you, okay? Because not only is it 100% waterproof, yes, you heard that right, but you're thinking, well, does it look like a rain boot or something? No, look at me in these sneakers. I mean, they look so chic, they look so effortless. I've worn it in a dress, I've worn it with shorts, I've worn it with practically everything, jeans, sweatpants, it just kind of goes well with everything. It's super comfortable, you just slip them on. It's made out of something called Dymatex, which is this really cool dual climate type of knitted shoe. It's cool because during the summers, you don't sweat. During the winters, you don't get cold feet. I mean, it almost looks like it shouldn't be a waterproof shoe, but it's 100% waterproof. And on top of that, it's super easy to clean. You just throw it into your washer and let it dry for one day. That's it. This has been my go-to shoe, even living in LA, where it doesn't really rain a lot or anything because of how comfortable it is. If I happen to step on a puddle while I'm walking my dogs, I don't have to worry about my socks getting wet. And on top of that, it's sustainably made and it's vegan. They don't use any animal byproducts. And right now, just for you guys, you can go to Vessi.com slash BAM or click the link in my description to get $25 off your Vessi shoe. That is Vessi.com slash BAM for $25 off your Vessi shoe. You're not going to regret it. Just slip them on your feet. They'll thank you. We're making Italian cannolis, and I'm gonna be talking about a Korean movie that, okay, so it's titled Hide and Seek. Did I think, did I think, I thought it was gonna be an amateur movie. I thought Hide and Seek, what the heck? This is some sort of kids play. Here's how I thought that it would plan out. I would think that these kids, they're in this apartment building, maybe it's a haunted mansion, oh my gosh. Oh, they just moved into a new place and the kids are playing hide and seek and they're like, mom, I found a man in my closet and the mom's like, monsters aren't real. I thought that that would be the synopsis of this entire movie and I was hit with some parasite level shit that I wasn't expecting. This is the type of movie where you have to go lay in bed for an hour afterwards because you kind of feel shaken up. Like you feel the anxiety through the screen and the whole time you're like, why do I feel like I went through something? I didn't even do anything. What's going on? So we're just gonna make the cannolis and I'm gonna tell you kind of a spooky story. So it all starts with a girl named, we're gonna call her Emily in the, in the movie, she's Unhee but my Korean's really bad, I'm working on it. <laughs> okay, but first, let me unwrap some of these because this noise. So it all starts with our main girl, Emily, right? And she's just walking through her neighborhood after work, going back to her apartment. It's a little big for you, though. <laughs> yeah, it's a little intense. <laughs> it's a little stiff. This icing is, okay, it's like vacuum sealed in here. So I'm gonna, okay, here's what I'm gonna, okay, yeah, maybe I should cut it. Maybe a bigger tip. Yeah, bigger tip. So I'm gonna stick the white stuff into this, like so. <laughs> this is just, if you're watching the visuals, 
I don't even see what I'm doing, but um, I don't like it. Okay, now I slowly pull it out. More, push more. There's push more. more? Okay. More. 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 Push. Am I giving birth to a cannoli <laughs> right now? So I'm going to dip it into the chocolate chips. We also have like these little pistachio bites. Wow, these are really pretty. And then here's what you do. I was going to do this at the end, but I kind of want you guys to see it. You just grab some cocaine. I know it's kind of expensive, but this is the wow factor. It's powdered sugar. Don't demonetize me, please. No, this is easy. I'm going to make the rest of the cannolis. There's no way that I'm going to stand here and tell you the story while my fiance takes over and makes the rest of the cannolis because that would be, that would be wildly inappropriate. <laughs> you can do it. Okay, okay. No, you're right. I'm going to do a couple more. At least maybe I'll do three you do three right so our girl Emily she's walking through the neighborhood in the middle of the night after work and she's on the phone with her boyfriend and Emily the whole thing about her in this movie is that she's pissed there's just she's not a happy person okay so she's walking through and she's like when are you sending the money he's like I already sent the money what more money do you What's need her boyfriend of course you're like whoa <laughs> I know lucky girl so she's like send me more money and he's like no all you do is use it on bars and she's just upset and at one point during this conversation she walks by a group of guys who are like come here come into my truck come 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 and she's like get off of me and she's screaming at them throwing punches and so of course her boyfriend is at least pretending to be concerned he's like what kind of neighborhood is this this is so dangerous well yeah you're the one that said you would help me move that you would pay for my new place and that you would come and help me move my furniture but that hasn't happened so what can i do and she hangs up the phone so she walks up to her apartment building, which looks very, very scary. Straight out of like a very scary moment, okay? Her apartment building looks, looks intense. So she walks in, she gets into the elevator, and just as it's about to close, a guy with a helmet hops onto the elevator. Now, the helmet covers his entire face. You don't even get like an ear, you get nothing. I mean, he's wearing all black. You don't get anything about this person. And he hops onto the elevator and she seems nervous. She seems scared. She pulls her person closer to her body, right? Cause she's like, I don't know what this guy's gonna do. And then she's, so she's in this elevator with this helmet guy pulling her purse closer to her and then that's when she realizes that neither of them has pushed an elevator button number. So the elevator is just standing on the ground floor. Is she waiting on She's him? a little creeped out, but she decides to, you know, kind of reach over his body because he's near the buttons and she presses level three and he does not press a button. You're thinking the same thing that I'm thinking. What an absolute creep. He's going to kill her. So they both get off at level three and he actually gets off before her and he's walking in front of her. She's making sure to like keep a safe distance. She doesn't want to be that close to him, but all of a sudden he stops in front of, let's say, unit 303. And he's just staring at the wall, at the door of 303, the entrance. So she decides, okay, well, I should probably pass him because my unit is 304. So she quickly walks past him, gets into her apartment unit, slams the door shut, and she's sick of this, okay? She was already mad before this helmet guy in the elevator situation, but now she's on edge. She cracks open a beer, and she's calling her best friend, and she's saying, I swear, it's the same fucker. What fucker? The guy that lives next door, uh, he's the biggest creep in the world. I freaking hate him. I swear, he, like, watches me. 
What do you mean he watches you? Yeah, and today, you know, because I've been so mad at him that he's been watching me today, he he showed up in a freaking full-on helmet. A helmet. So that I can't even see his face. He thinks that I don't recognize him. Wait, what did your neighbor do? I mean, you just don't understand. And they're like, well, explain what, what's going on with this neighbor. <laughs> oh, this is easier when I use two hands. Oh, yeah. Give me this one. Just stick it in all the way. Is that good? More. Now I'm getting the hang of it. But now I'm done. That's so annoying. And so she's like, okay, listen, the other day he was just standing in front of my door. Like, I don't know if he was waiting for me to leave. I don't know if he was waiting for me to get home. But I looked through the people and he's just standing, staring at my door. I mean, what an absolute creep. And then the other day, I got locked out of my apartment unit, right? I lost my apartment key, so I'm like, okay, well, I gotta call a locksmith. I get the locksmith out here, and he's, you know, trying to get into my apartment. And this guy, the guy next door, is just standing outside of his apartment unit, staring at us, trying to get into my apartment unit. Like, what? What kind of weirdo does that? And as she's explaining this on the phone, she says, wait, hold on a minute. And she spots a brown sweater in the corner of her room. And she puts down the phone, walks towards it, picks it up, and there's like chunks of hair in it. Oh my god. This, I gotta call you back. She slams the phone down. Now Emily is pissed. Emily is not scared. Emily is not calling the cops. She leaves her apartment unit. And by the way, at this exact moment, we see kind of um, a view of her in a hidden camera. So it switches from like the film camera to a hidden camera, right? So you're like, someone has bugged this place. Someone is watching her. She leaves her apartment unit and starts slamming on Helmet Guy's door like, you better open up. You better open this freaking door, you little pervert, you little creep. I knew that you were in my apartment. And guess what, you idiot? I have been filming the inside of my apartment. I'm calling the cops and your ass is going to get thrown in jail. So I don't even care if you don't open up. Open the door, you little piece of poo. And he doesn't open the door. So does that imply the camera was her own camera? So she walks back in, she marches actually, back into her unit. She sits down and she's clinking. She's drinking her beer and clinking on the keys, looking at the footage and she's like, I'm gonna catch this mother forker. I'm gonna get him good, I'm calling the cops. And then that's when she hears noises outside. So she's like, it's that neighbor guy. Now, this is like very unlike most of these movies that we talk about where like the main character girl is just like this alcoholic who has gone through some She's an unreliable narrator. She's like, mm -mm, I'm going to beat him up. So she grabs a golf club, goes to the front door, and he's not there. So she's like, what? Where did this guy go? He left his apartment. Why? Why did he leave his apartment? Because the cops are coming. Uh-uh. I'm going to catch him, right? So she rushes to the corner where she hears a noise. And instead of that guy, she catches a little girl. A little girl with an eye patch. Where? Just in the hallway in the middle of the night. So she's like, little girl, what are you doing? She says, hi, I live on this floor. Okay, well, you shouldn't be out. It's dangerous. Go back to your apartment, okay? Okay. And so Emily walks back to her unit. Now, she had left the door open because she thought that she was going to catch a criminal, that my tingly senses are already going off the radar. And she walks back in, sits back down, takes sips of her beer, and goes back to watching the CCTV footage that she took in her own house. Now, this uh -oh. is where it gets funky fresh. She sees the footage. Yeah, it's getting crazy. It's getting hot, okay? She sees the footage of her leaving to go yelling, and you can even hear her yelling in the footage, like, open the door, you freaking pervert, I'm calling the cops, right? Then she walks back in, and then and she leaves again but when she leaves a figure in black walks into the apartment and sits right in front of the camera and took a sip of the beer that she was drinking and so she looks closer 
And then the figure walks away, but doesn't walk out, and she sees herself walking in. So she slowly turns away from the computer, and in the corner of the room, a figure wearing all black, wearing the helmet head, is standing holding a bloody umbrella. Umbrella where, you know, the end, those big folding umbrellas, they have like a stick part. Uh It's dripping blood. So Emily starts screaming, and the helmet guy just comes and starts bashing her head in with the umbrella. This is where we get a little girl who narrates in a little girl's voice. She says, you know, there's been a rumor around here in this neighborhood that there are people, they call them squatters. This is a little girl saying this, okay? They call them squatters, but they're people that live in other people's houses without the owners knowing. They secretly live there. That's the rumor around town which is creepy. So right at that moment, we are introduced to the main family of this entire movie, right? Let's call them the Kims, okay? I don't want to call them the Seuss. That's creepy. I'm scared. So let's call them the Kims. And this family lives in the other side of town. They live in Seho. They live in a nice place, a condominium, a penthouse, okay? It, it consists of Sam the dad, Melissa the mom, and their two kids. They've got an older son and a younger daughter. And they decide that they're going to play hide and seek inside of their house. So the parents are saying, uh, I forget what it's called in Korean, but it's like, sumara sumara, like, karak boinda, which means you better hide well because I can see your little hairs. So they're hiding, they're counting, and the parents are like, did you find them? I mean, it's like a really cute moment. They look like they're in love. It's like the quintessential family, right? They ain't got no problems, especially not in their wallet because they're rich. So they're looking for the kids. They find them. They're tickling them. It's like a whole thing. Real big parasite moment. You find out that the family owns a cafe nearby, and Sam is, Sam the dad, it seems like he's a massive germaphobe. So even when he's working, he's the owner of this cafe, he will get on his hands and knees to clean the toilet bowl because he is that big of a germaphobe. So the employees tell him that recently they've been facing some struggles with this homeless man who has been showing up in the front of their cafe, just sitting there nonstop, harassing the employees, harassing any of the potential customers. I mean, they're losing business. Should we call the cops? And he's just like, um, maybe I'll worry about it. Like, let me handle it, right? So then he goes home after a stressful day of work, and you see him have these moments where he's trying so hard to keep it together for his family. But anytime, you know, this kid is talking and a little rice falls out of his mouth during dinner. His kid? His own kid. His own kid. He, his like pulse starts ticking because he's a germaphobe and all he wants to do is wipe the table clean. He's the type of germaphobe, and this is a serious, like a serious thing. He will scrub his hands till they bleed sometimes. And so the wife notices Melissa and she's like, well, Sam, are you sure you're still on your pills? Yeah, babe, don't worry about it. Well, you would talk to me if something's wrong, right? Absolutely. You know nothing's wrong. So that night, after scrubbing the dining table clean, because his little kid just spit all over it, it was just like two pieces of rice that came out, to be honest. <laughs> um, he's just hanging out with his family and he gets a phone call. Hello? Hi, uh, do you know anyone named Charles Kim? Who's calling? Uh, do you know anyone named Charles Kim? This is the number that I have for Charles Kim. Are you like his brother or something? And he looks at his family. He kind of eyeballs them. You're like, okay, well, why is he hiding this phone call from his wife? This seems really sketch, right? He walks away and says, why, what, what's wrong with Charles? 
Well, he's been missing. I'm, I'm the owner of the apartment that he's staying in, and I can't find him. He hasn't paid rent in months, and someone needs to come get his stuff, you know? Like, I'm not, what do you want me to do with his stuff? Can you just come down? I'm not going to ask for rent, but can you come? This is the emergency contact. So he hangs up that phone, and he tells his wife, Hey, babe, I'm just going to be working late tonight. And he goes onto his computer, and you just see some weird shifts happening. Like, this is when you start feeling like, Okay, my anxiety is taking. Who the fork is Charles? So he's on his computer going through his emails, and he has unreplied emails from Charles just nonstop saying, Hey, uh, are you there? I heard you moved. There'd be another one saying, I heard you got married in the U.S., you didn't invite me. You know what? I'm used to it now, but it's just been getting really lonely by myself. Nobody in the family wants to talk to me after mom died. I'm just saying, can we just talk once? Can we just have one conversation? Just tell me where you live. I can just stop by for five minutes. I swear, it'll just be five minutes. And while he's reading these emails, you know, Sam starts reminiscing. He takes out his wallet, and there's a picture of baby Sam with his two parents. And when he pulls it out of his wallet and unfolds it, there is another boy in the picture. Now, we can assume that's his brother Charles, but why do they not have a good relationship? What's going on here? The rest of the night, Sam has nightmares. He wakes up in the morning, and his whole thing is, it looks like he's a man on a mission. He's got to get to the bottom of this. What's going on with Charles? And honestly, as a viewer, it's kind of like, yeah, that's his brother, but why does he seem so anxious and nervous about this situation? Not just the fact that he's missing. You guess that there's some major family problems going on. So he starts making some calls. Sam calls up a cousin. Hey, have you talked to Charles recently? Charles? Why would I talk to Charles recently? Are you kidding? Oh, you're serious? The last time I even brought up Charles's name in front of my parents, they started cursing. Yeah, no, don't even, who cares? Who gives a shit about Charles after what he did? And he hangs up. So then he calls the apartment manager back saying, well, how long has he been missing? Listen, I don't know, dude, okay? I don't know what you want me to tell you. This isn't one of those bougie apartment complexes. Just come get his stuff, okay? He owes me this much money in rent. You're lucky that I'm not trying to get this rent from you, but just come get his stuff. I'm, I need to open it up so I can get a new tenant in. I'm trying to make some money around here. This is the address. Come get his stuff. And he hangs up the phone. Now, at this point, Sam happened to be in the car with his wife and his two kids in the back, and this was on speakerphone. And his wife is going at him like, who the hell is Charles? Why are you on the phone talking about a Charles? Like, none of this makes sense. Where are we going? I thought we were supposed to be going home. Why are you driving in a different direction? And he, he goes on to tell her, Charles is my brother that I never told you about. Now, we don't really get to see the rest of this conversation, but we can only assume that it was not a pleasant one because imagine you as a spouse and this is, you're like, I didn't even know you had a brother. What kind of marriage is this? Yeah. So they park. He, he tells the family, just stay here. It's going to be so quick. I'm going to go in and get my stuff or my brother's stuff, right? He gets out of the car and we see the same apartment building that Emily lived in. And he walks in and he's talking to the apartment manager, like looking around. I mean, this is definitely not a place for him. Him and his wife today, they brought out their best coats. His wife's wearing this beautiful fur coat. He's wearing this nice little like trench number. He's just like, wow, this is, this is really not a white refrigerator moment, you know, for him because he's a bougie person. So he's walking around. Well, how long has Charles been here? Uh, probably like two years after his release. You know that he was in prison, right? Sorry, I don't know how close you guys are as family. But, but then he stopped paying rent and he left all of his stuff. Okay, uh, what unit is he? And he starts leading him to the helmet guy's unit. Oh no. So he's like, 
And while they're getting the keys to open that door, he starts hearing some fighting in the background in some of these apartment complex units, like just full on, I'm talking pots and pans are being thrown at each other. Um, sir, do you think something happened to my brother? No, no. <sighs> yeah, okay, this is kind of a shabby place. You get it, I get it, it's low rent, but this guy, he hasn't been paying rent for months. He probably just doesn't want to pay rent and now he's left and now you're stuck with all his he probably doesn't have any valuables. Anyway, here are the keys. Call me when you're done so I can come pick up the keys. Take whatever you want. The rest I will trash. Okay, uh, thanks. And as Sam is about to walk in, he notices some pencil markings right at like the call button, the doorbell of this apartment unit. It's like triangles, dashes, it almost looks like some sort of code, and it's written in pencil, so it's, it's definitely not like braille or anything, it's definitely not a design, it's been written by someone. And he just notices, that's really strange. Uh-huh. So he walks in, puts his handkerchief over his mouth because, oh, smelly, the dishes are piled up, he's going through and like, he, he has no idea what kind of life his brother was living. This is not the life that he expected. I mean, this guy's living in a penthouse. He's got like just blankets on the floor that look really dirty. He goes into the bathroom, the mirror is cracked, and that's when he notices, oh, that's weird. There's two toothbrushes and a bunch of women's pads. So he calls back the apartment manager and says, hey, uh, just quick question. Are you sure there's nobody else on the lease? Because it seems like there are two people living here. I don't want to like take a bunch of stuff if someone else is still living here. Do you know who my brother was living with? No, it's just him on the lease. I'm positive. Okay, thanks. So he hangs up the phone and he starts going through the rest of the stuff. And he sees like bras. He sees a lot of women's items. Okay, this is so strange. Maybe maybe the neighbors know better than the apartment manager. So he leaves that unit and he goes to the next door neighbor, Emily's place. She doesn't answer, but he sees some markings at her door. The same pencil markings, very odd. So then he goes to the next neighbor, again, sees pencil markings, really odd. And all of these neighbors, I mean, they open up the door, but they don't really wanna to talk to him. They're like, how the fork do I know? Get out of here. They all seem to be dealing with their own problems. You know, a wife opens up the door, it looks like her husband is abusive and she's very scared to talk to anyone. Another grandma opens up the door and it looks like she's just pissed at the world. She's like, get the fork out of my front door. So as he's asking around to all of these people, he starts kind of getting a catalog. Oh, well, I, I can't tell you. My husband might know more, but he's not home. He's out with the kid. And he's looking at the little symbols on the door. And he comes to the conclusion, let's say for example, a square and then it'll have a number. So that means square is male, triangle is female, circle is kids. This is literally a code of how many people and what type of people are living inside this house or inside this unit. So he rushes back to his brother's apartment and he sees one male, one female. Okay, that's weird, right? Now, at the same time, as he's going back into the unit to investigate, we get a little sneak peek. Yes, take on, sorry. We get a little sneak peek at what Melissa's doing in the car with her kids, and she's on the phone just ranting to her mom who lives in the United States, and she's saying, Mom, you don't get it. What kind of guy lies about something like this? I mean, how can I even trust him again? Do you understand what bi how big this is? I don't even know who this guy I married is. I mean, she's just going through a lot, right? Now, at the same time, her kids are like, Mom, 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 can I please go play outside? Can I please? There was these little arcade games outside of the convenience store, right? Can we just please go play? <sighs> yes, okay, fine, but make sure your brother's watching after you. Hold your hands, okay? Hold hands together. 
Just play one game and come back. And she's still ranting on the phone with her mom. She pulls down the window because she's like heavy breathing at this point. She's that angry. And she's like, mom, you just don't understand. I mean, I had to find out through a phone call on the speakerphone in the car. And this guy makes eye contact with her and starts just waving. Really creepy. And gives her a thumbs up. So she pulls up the window again and says, actually, mom, I'm, I'm just going to call you back later I, when I get home. And she looks back at where the kids are supposed to be, and her kids aren't there. So she starts panicking. She rushes out, and there's this little girl playing on the arcade. It's the girl with the eye patch. Remember that Emily saw that night? And she's like, hello, kid, kid. Did you see the two kids that were here? Those are my kids. Do you know where they went? Do you know where my kids went? And she's just really creeped out by this lady who's, like, yelling at her. And her mom rushes over, and her mom's like, please stop yelling at my child. What is wrong with you? Come on, let's go, girl. And she's walking away. And, I mean, Melissa's having a full-on breakdown. She's running through the aisles, the alleyways of this place, looking for her kids, yelling for them. And eventually, she makes it back to her car. And she freezes because in the driver's side, someone is sitting there just moving the wheels side to side. Like just inside the car, just as if they're pretend driving Mario Kart, just side to side. She rushes closer. It's that guy that was smiling at her. And in the back of the car, locked in are her kids who are screaming, banging on the windows like, Mom, Mom, please help, please help. I don't know what's going on. So she's banging on the driver's side, get out of my car, what are you doing? Let my kids go. She's trying to open the door, and he opens the window, a tiny creek, and she keeps trying to shove her fingers in there, but it's obviously not going to work, right? Now, at the same time, Sam is running out of the apartment, ready to help, but guess who steps in to save the day? The eye patch girl's mom. She brings in a little taser and starts tasing the shit out of the driver. Finally, he opens it up and runs out of the car. So the kids are saved. He got away? Yeah. And so, you know, they're just thanking her. And she says, oh, my name is Jessie. This is my kid. Um, you don't really need to know her name, right? That's a lot of names. This is my kid. Well, she doesn't say that. I'm saying that, okay? I think it was like, let's call her Pam. The kid's name is Pam. So she's like, I'm Jessie. I, I live in this apartment. And they're like, thank you so much. You saved our kids. You're amazing. Like, oh, my God. What would we have done without you? Thank you so much. Well, you guys can definitely come into my place to have some tea. <laughs> no! No, we couldn't impose that. Thank you. Thank you. No, I insist. We really don't get a lot of guests in this area. And I don't really talk to anyone, so I would love to talk to you guys. Okay, come on, kids. Let's go. So they bring their kids. Melissa's wearing her little nice fur coat, walking up into this, you know, unit. And she's opening the door. All three kids are there. We've got the Kim's two kids. We've got Pam with the eye patch. And they walk in and they sit down. And they're just having small talk. Like, how long have you been living here? Oh, oh well, not that long. This, did you know this is one of the biggest units in this apartment complex? I know, I know it's probably shabby for wherever you guys are coming from, but it's one of the biggest units in the apartment complex. It's beautiful, Jesse. You decorated it so well. So they're sitting in the living room and Pam is awkwardly sitting on the side. And she's looking at the kid's doll, at one of the Kim's kid's doll. And so Melissa's like, do you like dolls, Pam? Here, come on, kid, let's let, let her see your doll. And the Kim's daughter starts screaming, no, I don't want to, it's dirty here. 
and you see everyone just freeze like what the fork is going on and of course you know sam is trying to be like you don't say that kid like you're, you're not a, who raised you obviously not me <laughs> shut up kid give her the doll so she gives pam the doll and they're just sitting around eventually jesse comes with the teas they're all drinking and she's got all these questions like that's a beautiful coat i like it where'd you get it melissa obviously doesn't answer because it was probably i don't know neiman markets or some shit. and she's just sitting there like i love your place i mean the tea is amazing thank you so much so anyways jesse's like where are you guys from you guys look like you're from seoul the, the city right um yeah like near there but what are you guys doing in a place like this <gasps> is something happening oh i knew it i knew it i mean we've been looking for a new place i i heard that they're gonna demolish this place soon <sighs> you probably work for one of them huh Maybe you own this building? Is that what's going on? Spill the tea. N no, no, um, no, that's not why we're here. And Sam is like, we're here because my brother lives near here. Oh, really? In this apartment? Your, your brother lives in this apartment? Yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, I must know him then. What unit is he in? 304? And the minute that Sam says that, Jessie drops her tea glass and it shatters. And she starts screaming at the Kim family, get the fork out of my apartment. Get out. Get out right now. That's what type of family you have. Get out. And they're all confused. Like, what are you talking about? Get out of my apartment. I don't want you near me. And she's rushing them out. And they slam the door shut on the Kim family face. And of course, Sam has all these questions of, what do you mean? What, what's wrong with my brother? Tell your brother to stop peeping at my daughter. An absolute pervert. That's what he is. What? Yeah. Every single day, all he does is try to look through the windows, trying to call my daughter's name. He's an absolute creep, and you should be ashamed. What kind of family is this? Get out of here. I never want to see you again, and tell your brother, leave us alone. Do you know how hard it is to raise a kid? And he's just looking through the windows every day? Leave us alone. And so they leave the building back to the car. I mean, the kids, they're crying because the kids are like, that was a lot. I don't know what's happening, right? Melissa's making it about herself. She's like, what kind of brother? Why do, what, what is the deal with your brother? Why didn't you tell me about this? Oh my God, what kind of family have I married into? And he just says, babe, I'm going to take care of it. Yeah, call whoever you need to call. Have them come in and take care of this bullshit. Let's go home. I think I need to stay. Sam's like telling his wife, I think I need to stay. I need to figure out what's going on. You take the kids and I'll just grab a taxi home tonight, okay? I need to fi I just have a couple of questions I need to ask. So she's huffing and puffing, but she gets into her car and she starts driving the kids home. Now, when she gets there, she's like making sure the kids are showering. They're putting on their pajamas. And as she's tucking them into bed, her older son says, Mom, you know that girl Pam? While you guys were drinking tea, she told me something weird. <laughs> She told me that there's people, like ajoshis, which are old men in Korean, that just live in empty units. Like, they don't rent the units in this place, they just break into empty units, and they sleep there, like a sleepover. But sometimes these ajoshis also break into units where families live, mom, and they live in, like, the closets. Oh my god. And so the mom is like, which is like, what, what are you saying? Like, you're saying some nonsense. No, 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 she told me that. And she's like, that doesn't happen. No, she said it does. And the family never knows because they do it secretly. Like, these people, they'll sleep in your closet and you won't even know that they're living with you. 
Okay, well kids, you have school tomorrow, so let's just go to sleep. She tucks them in, and then we're back to Sam. So Sam is in his brother's apartment, just going through it. And he washes his hands in the bathroom, and he goes to get his, you know, suit pockets, because he was wearing like a blazer, and his phone is missing. And he's like, that doesn't make any sense. I literally had my phone. I just put down my jacket in this apartment to wash my hands. That's weird. He starts looking through the closet. No one's there. Now, the walls of this apartment are not like drywall. A lot of them are almost what you kind of imagine like paper mache vibes. Some of them are newspapers hung up all over the place to kind of patch maybe insulation issues. Maybe it's noise issues, right? So he gets to a part where there's a lot of newspaper in the corner and he pushes it and the wall goes in. And he walks through and he is in Emily's apartment. And at first he's just confused, trying to take it in, what the fork's going on, looking around, it's obviously not his brother's place, and it looks hidden like this fake wall. Did this occupant even know that it's here? But also, where is the occupant? And he spots a pair of underwear on the sofa. And he goes into the bathroom, turns on the lights, and it looks like he's looking for something. And he looks over the toilet. He runs back to his brother's unit, opens the drawer. That is the bra that belongs to the undies in her unit. Those are the same brand of pads in the bathroom. What is going on here? So he starts rummaging through his brother's stuff. He finds a diary that was um, titled to their dad that said, Father, you can't ignore me any longer. I'm not a ghost. All I do is feel lonely and I want to die, but I'm not a ghost. And one day, none of you will be able to ignore me anymore. So Melissa, she's going through it. It seems like Sam slept over at her bro his brother's place that night. And Melissa, the next morning, takes her kids to school, picks them up, and she's like, what do you guys want for lunch? Pizza, we want pizza. They get to their apartment unit again. And as they get into the elevator, a hand stops it. And in walks a man wearing all black and a motorcycle helmet covering his face. In their fancy apartment. In their fancy apartment. So she just kind of leans over, presses the button 15 to their unit, and the little girl looks at Melissa and says, Mom, Mom, it's not raining today. Why does he have an umbrella? Shh, it's okay, it's okay. Shh. <laughs> Sorry. And they just wait quietly, and she gets out at floor 15, and they rush into the unit. It doesn't seem like the umbrella man followed. We don't really know, right? The helmet man, we don't know if he followed, but she does little clicks. So in Korea, this is kind of pertinent to the story. You enter in a code for your apartment. You don't really have house keys. It's not also a tag. I know in some apartments in America, you have like a key tag, but you enter in your own code and it makes like beep, beep, beep buttons. You slide it down, you walk into your apartment. So she turns the alarm on and thank God, that was just a really creepy situation. She starts making lunch, and her kids are like, when's the yogurt lady coming? So apparently a lady drops off yogurt every day. When's the lady, when's the yogurt lady coming? We want yogurt, we want yogurt. She's like, kids, just freaking settle down, okay? And then she gets a call. Hi, is this Melissa? We have a package for you in the lobby. Do you want to come pick it up? Yeah, I'll be right there. Okay, kids, you guys be safe. Don't open the door for anyone. You know the drill. I'm just gonna go pick up a package. So she walks downstairs, no big deal, goes to the lobby, picks up this package when she gets a phone call. Now, this phone call is coming from a payphone, and she's a little bit confused. She picks it up, and it's Sam. 
Babe, why are you calling me from a payphone? I don't know this number. Why aren't you calling me from your cell phone? Listen, I can't explain, but I just went to, I, I'm at the ATM right now, and I checked my brother's bank star statements. I checked my brother's bank cards because he left them in the apartment, and he just bought something at the convenience store right across from our apartment. You need to leave. Where are you? I'm at the lobby. I'm picking up a package. You need to go upstairs right now. Don't open the door for anybody. Don't let the kids open the door for anyone. Go right now. And he hangs up. Now, Melissa at this point, I mean, she's like not that worried. She's more confused. Like, what, what, what does this have? Okay, so your brother's at the convenience store, but like, I don't know your brother, right? And she's slowly walking. She's opening this package and she opens the box and it's empty. So this is when the moment hits this mom. Like, it might be going down. This might be like a like a little ruse to get her out of the unit. And she gets a phone call from her kids. She picks it up and they say, Mommy, I think the yogurt lady is outside. She keeps banging on the door. Can we open it? We really want yogurt. No, don't open the door. It's not the yogurt lady. And she hears the banging. It's aggressive. And then she hears incorrect password incorrect password more banging so melissa's running up the stairs the elevator's taking too long she's telling her kids don't open the door don't open the door right they're terrified and when she gets to her floor no one's there so she enters in her coat and she opens the door and her kids come running they're bawling their eyes out and she's hugging them when all of a sudden helmet man shows up right behind her and tries to whack her with the umbrella so she's tackling helmet man they get into a struggle i mean she's getting almost choked out by helmet man the kids are witnessing this they're terrified they're screaming and finally a neighbor opens the door and says what's going on out here until so helmet man runs away just leaves so they call the cops, all the cops show up, they're going through the CCTV footage, Sam rushes home, he's terrified. And the cops say, well from the CCTV footage, we don't have his face. We don't even have like a license plate or a motorcycle plate. We don't know if this is some sort of nut job, a crime of opportunity, or if you guys have been specifically targeted. We really don't know. And that's when Sam brings up his brother, my brother Charlie. So they run his you know, background checks and the police say, ooh, well, he does have three prior convictions of SA. Maybe um, we'll just try to track down his whereabouts if he's missing. Maybe this is him. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a coincidence. But we'll try to figure it out. In the meantime, just be careful. So, of course, Sam does his own digging. You know, you trust the police to a certain extent, but maybe you want to do your own digging. He finds up some lawyers that Charlie had recently visited. I don't know. Maybe he got a PI for this. And he meets with this attorney, and this attorney is telling him, I mean, your brother was really pissed at you. I guess this guy doesn't care about attorney-client privilege. But he says, your brother was pissed at you. Uh, he came in here with some sort of will from your parents. And he was confused why he didn't get anything. He was living with nothing at this point. And he said it was all because of you. That he deserved everything that you had. Because you're not even the birth son. So we get a flashback. And Sam was adopted into the family when he was seven years old. And for whatever reason, Sam was left with the whole inheritance while the birth son, Charlie, got nothing. Now, I'm not saying that adoptive sons are lesser of sons than birth sons, but, um, you know, one of the brothers got nothing. That's weird. And in that lawyer's office room, Sam gets a flashback. A flashback to when he was a kid. And he's in this fancy house with his parents. Police are everywhere. Police sirens. Another girl's little family is there. The girl's dad is pissed, screaming at the police. They did it. 
That little kid over there pointing at Charlie touched my little girl. Put that little kid in jail. I'm gonna kill him if you don't. And the police are kneeling down at Sam saying, it's okay, Sam, just tell us the truth. What did you see? And he's looking at Charlie. He's looking at his adoptive parents. And he's looking at that little girl. And he says, well, the truth is, my brother did it. And everyone just, I mean, an emotional explosion, right? The kid's parents, the daughter's parents are breaking down. The adoptive mom is breaking down. And Charlie is screaming, why would you lie? Why are you lying? So we don't know who actually did it. Yeah. It could be. It could be, you know, Sam who lied to get, you know, favor from his adoptive parents. Mm -hmm. Maybe. So at this point, I mean... It's really going down, okay? He leaves this lawyer's office and goes back to his fancy penthouse, and as he's entering in the code, he notices there's pencil writing next to his door. So he panics, goes to his neighbor, pencil writing next to the door. He goes floor by floor. Everyone has pencil writing next to the door. So the whole apartment community, they start freaking out. They're putting flyers of this helmet guy all over the place. They're worried about these markings. Who's being targeted? What kind of crime scene is this? What's going to happen to them? Is this some sort of organized crime? Like, we don't know. Meanwhile, Sam, he's having these terrifying sleep paralysis dreams where his brother is crawling on his ceiling, like think Japanese horror movie, and dripping blood onto him and he can't move so he's just getting his brother's blood all over him this is like a nightmare for a germaphobe especially right and he's going into the bathroom scrubbing his hands until they start bleeding all over the place he is not doing well and so finally he decides i'm done with this shit. he grabs his golf club golf club gets into his car and drives straight to that apartment unit busts into his brother's unit with this golf club screaming charlie i will freaking kill you let's end it here no response. He's looking around. I know he's got to be here, right? And he starts just getting ready to hit something. And he hears a noise behind him. And he looks, and it was Jessie, the neighbor, looking through the windows. And she rushes back to her apartment. So he chases after her. Please, like, let me just talk. Let me just talk. I want to know more about my brother. And she just keeps saying, he keeps looking at us still. He was just here yesterday looking at my kid. So he was here. The manager said that he hadn't been here for weeks. No, he's always been here. Just tell him to leave us alone, okay? That's all we want. So he's like, this guy's freaking been here. He goes to his car and just starts staking out this apartment unit. He's like, this guy's gonna come home. My brother's gonna come home and I'm gonna beat him to crap with this freaking golf club. But instead he sees Helmet Man. Is that his brother? We don't know. So he sees Helmet Man at the convenience store buying some triangle kimbap, right? I know. Cool. Fun. Then he starts walking away. Okay, I'm gonna get out. I'm gonna start stalking him. He starts walking behind Helmet Man, and out of nowhere, Helmet Man starts running. Starts just booking it. So he's chasing after him. They end up in the apartment complex. They're running up and up and up until both of them end up at the roof. So he's looking around. Where is this guy? And he gets bonked on the head. Now, Helmet Man had taken off his motorcycle helmet, had taken off his clothes. It's a completely different new person. We don't know. Did this person take off all their clothes? Or is it a new person? But he gets bonked on the head with this man, by this man. And this man just, I mean, why would you bonk someone on the head if you don't know them, right? Yeah. So he wakes up and he's like, what the fork? And he keeps bonking him. He keeps bonking him. So he's trying to fight back. And eventually this guy gets on top of him, starts strangling him and trying to push him over the edge of the roof. He's pushing who? This random guy is pushing Sam, trying to push him over the roof. Like, what? 
So Sam, it's not Sam's brother. No, completely random guy. And he's like, who the fork is this guy? So he grabs a flower pot, smashes it on his head, and starts beating the crap out of him. Like, who are you? Who are you? Do you know my brother? Where is my brother? And he's saying, where is Emily? What have you done with Emily? Who the fork is Emily? And he just punches him again. Emily? And so they're both sitting on the roof like, what? And eventually, you know, Sam asks the guy, this random man, to come into his brother's apartment so that they can wipe off all the blood. And he says, wait, can you tell me who's, who's Emily? It's my girlfriend. Um, a couple weeks ago, she just stopped calling. And I couldn't get in contact with her. I couldn't find her anywhere. And I just, I thought you were so suspicious when you came onto the roof. I've been, I've been watching everyone recently here, trying to find out, did someone do something to Emily? And I thought maybe it was you. No, I, I don't even know your girlfriend. Well, she's just sent me this really weird text, like, I don't want to see you anymore. And ever since then, I haven't seen her. I haven't heard anyone who's heard from her. Well, can I see the text message? And as he's pulling the phone out, they hear a rustling noise. And so Sam shoots up from his seat and runs through that fake wall into Emily's unit. So of course Emily's boyfriend follows and he's just in shock. Like, how, what is going on? This is, this is my girlfriend's apartment. This is my girlfriend's stuff. What did you do, right? And he's like, shh. Meanwhile, Sam doesn't care what the boyfriend's saying because he's searching for Helmet Guy. That's who he wants. Helmet Guy is probably his brother. So he's going through all the cupboards, curtains, and then finally he opens up the closet and he's going through the clothes and he starts screaming and he falls back and Emily, who is completely bloodied and wrapped tightly in plastic, falls on top of him. Whoa. And so he's screaming bloody murder. Emily's boyfriend rushes over and he's about to cuss out and possibly kill Sam because this looks really guilty, but he gets stabbed in the back by Helmet Guy. Is Emily dead? She's the one wrapped in saran wrap, like dead, yeah. And so Helmet Guy now comes over to Sam, ready to beat him with a pipe like he did all of his other victims. And Sam puts up a fight. A huge altercation arises. Sam rushes into his brother's part of the unit, rushes out, going through the hallways, banging on the neighbor's door. Please let me in. Like, there's a psychopath out here. And the only unit that let him in was the little kid. She was home alone. Pam opens the door, and she looks scared. And she says, my mom's not home. I'm not supposed to let people in. Oh, that's okay, but you remember me, right? I came here with my kids. I'm, I'm not a stranger. You remember me. I came with my kids not too long ago. Yeah, I guess. And so he's just trying to calm her down because he doesn't want a situation where this kid is like, what the fork's going on, right? So he sits on the couch and he's like, um, you were talking about how you love dolls, remember? You, you mentioned, oh, you guys are trying to move soon. Did you guys find a place? Oh, yeah. I remember you guys. Yeah, we found a place. I'm kind of excited to finally move out of here. It's been creepy. And my mom says the place is really nice, so I guess we'll see. So Sam asks, can I please use your phone to call 911? There's someone out there that wants to hurt me. She's looking at the phone in her hand and she says, no, this one's mine. What? Can I please use your phone? I need to call 911. It's going to be two seconds. I, I'm going to give it back to you. No, this one's mine. And 
to this guy is like, what the fork kind of manners is this kid learning? You know, you learn to share what the hell. So he grabs the phone because someone's trying to kill him, right? So he grabs the phone and she turns into a completely new person gets up and starts screaming i said it was mine i said it was mine why would you steal something that's mine that's mine and so he just calmly gives it back to her and says okay that's okay pam do you have a phone that's not yours that i can use yeah i do come here so she opens up the door and he sees the scariest room ever just every wall filled with teddy bears, bookshelves filled with stacks and stacks of phones, CD players, radio players, all stacked up. I mean, this is not, this is not hoarding, this is weird. So she grabs a phone from the pile and says, here, you can use this one, this one's not mine. And he turns it on and the screensaver is his kids. Where did you get this phone, Pam? My mom gave it to me. It's my mom's phone. Look, I can prove it. She takes the phone back and says, this is where we're moving. It's a picture of his apartment. So he drops the phone and he falls back. And in that process, he opens a closet door. And he looks up and it's his brother wrapped in saran wrap, dead in the closet. And before he can do anything, Jessie comes in through the door and whacks him on the head. She is Helmet Man. She whacks him on the head and leans down to her daughter and says, Come on, it's time to move. Put on your prettiest clothes and let's pack our stuff. Meanwhile, Melissa at home, she's going through some shit too. She's packing up all their stuff and she says, Listen kids, pack your stuff. We're moving back home with grandma and grandpa in the United States. Your dad's going to meet us there. It's going to be great. And the kids are kind of excited. They're like, yes, we love Miguel. We love the United States, right? They're packing all their shit. She's excited. Come on, let's get in the car, right? Get it. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And all the while that's happening, she's getting these alerts on their, her phone that her bank card is being used at all these like convenience stores. She's like, that's so weird. Sam's not even picking up his phone. Okay, whatever. He's going to meet us at the airport. She puts her phone in her pocket, but we know that the bank cards in Sam's phone is with Melissa and she is wearing her best clothes her daughter's wearing her best clothes just buying up everything they want from the convenience store before they head to their new house so Melissa gets her kids in the car and as she's about to reverse out of this apartment building parking lot the son says wait mom do you have any medicine she's a fever something's wrong with her she looks back at her daughter and she looks sick so she's like going through her purse she doesn't have medicine Okay, we're gonna miss our flight. Okay, I'm just gonna go lock the doors. Don't open it for anyone, okay? Mommy's just gonna go run and get some medicine and I'll be right back, okay? So she runs back into the elevator, goes into the apartment unit. She's digging through the medicine cabinet, finds the Advil when she gets a phone call. It's Sam from a payphone. He had made it out alive. So he says, you need to get out of there. Remember that lady that we met? Jessie, the neighbor? It's her. She's the one killing everyone. She killed my brother. Get out of that apartment. She says she's moving into our apartment. I don't know what's wrong, but get the kids out of there. And she gets whacked on the head by Jesse. Jesse's wearing her nice clothes, holding Pam's hand. They whack her on the head and they just proceed as normal. They start putting away their groceries in their fridge now. They start putting their purse on the countertop. Do you want to go see your room, Pam? 
By the way, this was out before Parasite, because I know people are going to be like, Parasite vibes, you know, living that life. But this was out before Parasite. I think it was 2013. And Pam, the daughter, saw all of this. I mean, she's like, what, seven years old? Saw her mom whack Melissa on the head, and she doesn't care. She's like, yeah, I want to see my room. Now, at the same time, Melissa's kids in the car, they're getting panicked. Like, where is mom? Let me call her. So the son calls mom, like, mom, we're still in the car. Can you please come? Can you please hurry? We're a little bit creeped out. And he hangs up, and they get a knock. Hey kids, do you remember me? It's Jessie. You guys came to my place? And she's wearing that beautiful fur coat that we saw Melissa in the first day. Your mom says she's busy doing something, finding the medicine, I think. But, um, you, why don't you come to my apartment? I live in the same building now. And we can wait for your mom there. And so the little girl, she's about to open the door, but the son stops her and says, Um, uh, why are you wearing my mom's coat? It's not your mom's coat, it's my coat. No, that's, that's my mom's favorite coat. Why are you wearing it? Did she give it to you? Hey, you little shit. It's my coat, okay? It's mine. We're not gonna open the door for you. And she starts kind of pulling at it, like, just open the door. We can clear it up when you open the door. I can prove to you it's my coat if you just open the door. And she starts going to the other door. Just open the door. And then she starts banging on the window saying, get out of my car. Why are you little shits in my car? What kind, of, what kind of manners are these? Get out of my car. And so the kids start crying like, what are you talking about? It's our car. It's our car. She says, it's my car. It's not your car. And she pulls out the keys from her pocket and unlocks the doors. What was So she what? opens it. She's just trying to terrorize them, I think. Uh, you know, and she starts grabbing at them. They're screaming. They open the other door. They're running through the parking lot at this point. Meanwhile, Sam's rushing home through a taxi, running, but he can't get into the apartment unit because, remember, Jesse took his keys. So he's like, how the fork am I going to get in? The kids are running around. They're terrified in the parking lot. So finally, the dad meets up with the kids in the parking lot. They run to him, right? And they run straight towards the elevator and they make it in. So now they're in the elevator, the kids and the dad. And Jesse is out in the parking lot. So they rush to the apartment unit to get Melissa. And they're probably going to dip out of there, okay, immediately. So they go in. They type in the little pad. The kids get rushed in. Meanwhile, Jesse is running straight towards them. So the dad is like, mm-mm, like we can't let her in. She tries to open the door. She's fighting. They get into a tussle. And Sam slams Jesse on the ground. And he thought that she's dead. Or at least unconscious. So he rushes to his wife, who's bleeding. And she's unconscious. So he's like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Like, call the police. Like, we're going to be okay, everyone. But Jessie gets up again. And she's trying to bonk them on the head with her little thing. So he's running through. And eventually, she ends up bonking him multiple times. And she's about to get the final bonk when the kids decide, you know what? You're not forking with my dad. And so they start screaming at her. And she's like, you little shits are good for nothing. And she starts running after them, trying to kill the kids first because they're causing too much noise. And at that point, as she's about to kill the kid, Melissa wakes up and smashes a vase onto Jesse's head and she goes down. So Melissa, I mean, she's not in good condition at this point. Like she is still very, you know, about to be unconscious. And she puts, she kind of like leans herself down. Okay, I got it. I gotta just take the kids out of here. But as she's walking away, Jesse gets back up and bonks her on the head again. Anyways, there's another twist. So Sam rushes in as his wife is about to die. And he says, stop. Just listen. Please. You can have this place. We don't want to live here. 
Just let me and my family go, and we'll leave peacefully, and you can have this place. Or else, I'll burn it. And he has a lighter in his hand. And she looks behind him at the kitchen, and there is oil spilt all over during the fight. Mm. No! You're lying. You're lying. You're not going to set it on fire, and you're not going to leave. You're lying. I'm not lying. I don't... We're going to move to America. We don't care. We, you can have this place. You can pretend you're us. You can have our identity. We don't care. Just let us go. And she's thinking about it. And she's thinking about putting down that pipe that she's trying to kill people with. When the police start slamming on the door, police open up. So she drops it and she just goes into a frenzy. Starts tackling Sam down, strangling him with her bare hands. Like, you freaking lied, you lied. It's mine, it's my house. What kind of people come into my house and cause this much trouble? I didn't do anything. You came into my house. And so as he's getting strangled, he reaches for the lighter and throws it into the kitchen and it's not like a burst of flames because it's not a gasoline situation, but there's oil spilt, right? So it's like slow fires building. And she's panicked. Do I kill this guy? Do I stop the fire? And she just starts screaming, my house, my house, my kitchen. And she goes into the kitchen, starts stomping out the fires, but it leads and it starts, more fires start erupting. And she's just the whole time screaming, my kitchen, why would you do this to my kitchen? My beautiful house, my house, my house. The police, they slam open the door. At this point, because she was in her Sunday best in that beautiful fur coat, she gets set on fire and nobody helps her. Because as she's trying to stomp out these flames, her fur coat is picking up fire and at the, you know she gets engulfed in flames and the sprinklers go off. Everyone's just in shock. They're trying to rush the Kim family to the hospital. So the family, they get out of the hospital, and the last scene that you see of them is they're in the car going to a gravesite. So they had buried Charles right next to the parents. So it seems like some sort of closure. We don't know. Sam might be the worst guy ever, a terrible guy, right? But uh, they get back into the car. Melissa's on the phone with her mom saying, okay, we're going to head to the airport. What time are you guys going to pick us up? And the kids are saying, me, cook, me, cook, which is like the U.S. So they're moving to the U.S. And she just asks, are you sure it's safe there, mom? Okay, well, we'll see you guys there. And at that moment, we get the ending scene of a woman on the phone. Yeah, no, mom, don't worry. Like, you can visit anytime. It's in a great neighborhood. The schools are here great. Yeah, I'm just a little bit stressed because I gotta pack all these boxes today and the movers are just, I mean, it's a shit show. But we got a pretty good deal. I think there was some, like, fire damage. It's fine now, though. Everything's perfect. And she's like, oh, mom, I gotta go. Um, can you move those boxes over there? And she's talking to the movers. And slowly the camera pans to a closet in the corner. And through the little peaks, you see Pam with the eye patch looking at the new family moving in. And it ends with the same narration. There's a rumor going around in this apartment building. Something about squatters, about people who live in other people's houses without them ever knowing. Okay, question. Yes. Why does she have, why does she have an eye patch? We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. It's a weird one. There's uh, the no, same question. No, no meaning behind that? Yeah, and then she said one last word, okay? For the ending. She says, The squatters slowly settle down, and eventually they take the owner's place. The girl with an eye patch is crazy. Listen, that was my form of birth control. 
I gotta stop watching movies with evil kids because that kid, that was something else. When she was screaming mine, it was so unsettling. The whole thing, even the parts with the kids, I mean, they're amazing actors. The kid, Pam, her acting was so scary. And it's so basic. It's like her screaming that something is hers, but something about it just felt so dark, so sinister. It didn't feel like a kid that just has sharing issues and you gotta like teach them a lesson. What did you think of this one? I think I, okay. I like it, it's creepy. It's so creepy. Yeah. I, I would say it's definitely not as nuanced as maybe like a movie like Parasite, right? Because I feel like that you have so many Easter eggs, so many symbolic moments of like going down the stairs, all of these different things. But this one was pretty good. And this kind of hits a fear of mine because every two weeks I have this fear that someone's living in our attic. It's a bizarre fear. I'll like randomly send him up there. Like, no, I'm pretty sure someone's up there living there full time eating my ramen. I think that's why my ramen supply is depleted. And he's like, no, bitch, it's because you eat all the ramen. I'm like, no, we got squatters. We got squatters upstairs specifically. They don't touch anything else. They don't touch the vegetables in the fridge. No, they don't touch my little meals in there. They get my ramen. You gotta eat that. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> which one it. do you prefer? Oh, this one's so good. Really? The pistachios? So good. <laughs> okay, okay. I inhaled with all the dust. Mm. Wow. It's pretty good, right? It's not that sweet. Yeah, it's not that sweet, yeah. It's really good. Wow. Mmm. You didn't like the chocolate? Chocolate is good. Uh -huh. I feel like you might like it. Mm. I like the pistachio. Right? Mm. Chocolate is not that sweet either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I would give this movie 8 to 9 out of 10 because of the vibes. Maybe not the best plot. Maybe there's some parts where you're like, that doesn't make sense at all. But afterwards, I mean, it's a genuine horror movie. Like, you feel the after effects of like, I think someone's living in my house. I gotta go check the rooms. I'm busy. Bye. Um, make sure to go to vessi.com slash bam. Because you're probably traveling for summer. You're probably going, doing hikes, walking your dogs. You need the most comfortable 100% waterproof shoes on your feet. And I'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye.